Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez, here with Aaron Keller, our equipment extraordinaire. We also have Russell Wollstenhume, no stranger to this podcast, and Sean Espinoza, also no stranger to this podcast, because we're going to be talking about upland game hunting, because right around the corner, seasons begin. As Russell said, a whole bunch of seasons. A lot of seasons. Good to be here today. Yeah, thanks for coming in, guys. So could we go over the season dates really quick? Um, Just to get into it, list some of them off. Well, we'll start off at the very beginning, and that's September 1st. We have a lot of seasons opening. Sean, do you want to talk about some of the seasons you have opening? Well, I think first and foremost, the forest grouse seasons, which are pretty popular with some folks. And especially folks that live, uh, you know, in the in the Reno area and around Elko, the forest grouse seasons can be pretty important because they're close. Uh, for us here around Reno, we've got the Carson Range nearby, so uh, the species that occupies the Carson Range is uh, what we call the city grouse, um, kind of a subspecies of blue grouse. And then uh, in the Elko area, we have dusky grouse. And, you know, for those folks in that part of the state, we have the Ruby Mountains close by, uh, as well as uh, some mountain ranges further to the north, like the Independence Range and uh, the area around uh, the Bruno River drainage, Jarbage, uh, all offer great opportunities for uh, blue grouse hunting in that portion of the state. So, so somebody that's looking to blue grouse hunt, what are some things they should be looking for? Let's go well, right into hunting. Yeah, it, if you want to get right Stick into that, I think, uh, you know, the name forest grouse implies right. that they're going to be occupying forested environments so uh you're going to be you're going to want to be in places where there's patches of conifers so limber pine subalpine fir and a species that's pretty important to those guys is a- aspen um for blue grouse not necessarily within the aspen stands but around the edges of those aspen stands or, or especially in eastern nevada are where you want to probably focus and they're not going to be too awful far from patches of conifers or patches of of mahogany. Uh, We found that that's also a pretty important uh, plant species for them to to forage on. Yeah, that's what they eat, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, they're going to be foraging a lot at this time of the year on currants. Um, They're going to seek out berries, uh, any berries that are ripening at this time of the year, so snowberries, currants, um, and then as we go through... The fall months, they'll transition to conifer needles. So they're going to be eating, uh, especially when we get into the the winter months, all they're going to be eating is conifer needles. Right. So, And that's usually when those birds tend to, when they shift that diet like that, um, their, their meat kind of changes too. Hmm. Uh, they get a little bit darker meat, and uh, for some people, they don't taste quite as good as when they're uh, eating the the late summer, early fall month yeah. forage, like current berries. Kind of makes sense, like yeah. That. If you're eating fruit, yep, probably a little sweeter. Maybe little it, it probably depends on the person and their tastes. Yeah, exactly, so. exactly. 
Um, but over here in the Carson range, you know, closer to uh, Reno and Carson City, uh, upper elevations of that mountain range, uh, pretty much in a lot of different places, uh, from Peavine all the way south to the state line, uh, south of Gardnerville, uh, at the upper elevation meadows and things like that, um, you have a, a decent chance of running into blue grouse in those places. So what you got to do, though, is you just got to get out there and start hiking. Yeah, I mean, you got to do some map work beforehand, of course. Yeah. Um, find out where some of these riparian areas, springs, kind of, and then, you know, plan a route around those and, and kind of hunt judiciously. I mean, um, you're not going to find grouse, you know, exceptionally far away from water sources at right. this time of the year. They're going to need that resource and, and be within that vicinity of, of some sort of water source, especially... Uh, female grouse with broods. They're going to be right in on meadows yep. uh, early in the morning. Gotcha. So do your planning ahead of time, but there are plenty of blue grouse hunting opportunities across the state. Yep, absolutely. So so what other... Um, so with You got right yeah. into the hunting, but well, I was I, still going over the I seasons. Was <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to, uh, to kind of chunk it out, right? So we don't yeah. get too confused. So September so 1st, all those started or are going to start, which is this Sunday. Then dove. Dove that also starts, also starts September 1st. September 1st. You know, and dove are one of those species that, you know, really important hunting species. It's the most hunted species in North America. I didn't realize this. Right. Like I just don't picture it's it. Big. In Nevada, it's really important as well. We have approximately 3,000 hunters a year that go afield for doves. Uh, last year, there were over 21,000 doves harvested in the state. So. Wow. Yeah, it's really, you know, it's it's a big species, and everybody always focuses on big game, big game, big game, but these upland species are something that you can go out, you don't need to draw a permit, get a hunting license and go, and they're across the state, you can find them in a lot of different areas, you know, there's a lot of species, the forest grouse, Sean talked about the blue grouse, but there's rough grouse out there as well, in a lot of places, uh, snowcock start on September 1st as well, and believe it or not, we have a crow season, that starts on September 1st. Also weird to me. So people actually do hunt crows. Right. Oh. Not not a lot of people. It's not a widely hunted species, but it's out there. We have a pretty long season across Nevada. There's in two segments. There's an earlier season that starts September 1st and a later one that starts in March and April. So, you know, it's a fun it's a fun bird to go hunt. They're they're very very hard to hunt. So we don't get a lot of hunters out there, but it's it's a nice challenge. And, yeah. you know, historically, people always used to complain that because the dove season opened on September 1st, that some people thought it was too late because we always used to get a freeze right. before September 1st, and folks claim that a lot of doves left. It would state. be like the week or two before. Right, right. right. Yeah. And I don't think we have to worry about that this year. We've got these hot temperatures in place. and oh, it's 100 degrees. But, uh, yeah, but you never know, you know. Uh, <laughs> there's weird things that go on, and... But I have had that request a lot over my career, people saying, hey, you know, we need to, can we move this earlier? But right. actually, September 1st, um, because dove are a migratory game bird, they they have um, a lot of rules and regulations that fall under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, and they cannot open before September 1st. Hmm. Anywhere in the United States. Anywhere in the United States. Wow. Very interesting. So, yeah, to know. dove hunting is uh, one of my earliest like hunting memories was we would all go out on September 1st and and go dove hunting and I I don't I didn't ever go to school on September 1st 
Right. So I if it was on a school this last day, year yeah, too. yeah, slacker. It was the only day I, n- I was never a, a what is it, perfect attendance <laughs> because I missed every single September. You know, it was the only day I if, could miss. If you're gonna miss school, what better reason is right. than to go on, right? Yeah. <laughs> and now with my kids, and they just look forward to it. Right. You know, and as much as I and and you know, we're in a liberal package. That's the as federal framework terminology. A liberal package for doves, which allows us to. Uh, have a bag limit of 15 doves you know so it's a it's you can go get a lot of birds yeah there's plenty of them out there and this hunt goes on for 60 days which is it used to be 30 that was always the standard and and now we're up to a 60 day hunt season which provides a lot more opportunity it sounds like that's a good way to get like someone who's interested in hunting but has never hunted before. That might be a good place to start too. Right, Up- upland game in general, small game. You know, it's a great place to get a start. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of research that shows that, you know, you get hunters that come in with big game, and they've got limited opportunity, and it's an easy way for hunters to get to get bored when they don't draw tags as often as they'd like, and and to leave hunting. And there's a, a big push right now to try to keep hunters in hunting and to recruit new hunters and small game is a way to go out and there's an opportunity every year there's a lot of opportunity there's a lot of species so you know it's a fantastic opportunity and people should really look into it especially with kids i would say dove hunting is probably one of the best recruiting as far as like getting people into hunting it's tons of opportunity tons of fun great weather pretty relaxed hunting right lots of action if right. you can get into a decent spot, it's pretty exciting. Um, I've never hunted. I'm not a hunter. I think I made that clear on the podcast, but there is here, an appeal about here, dove hunting. Here you go. Here's your opportunity. I know. there is. It does sound fun. And they taste great. There's tons of good recipes for dove. Well, and if you can get good at shooting dove, then... You're hooked. Well, I think it prepares you for other species you might hunt throughout the rest of the season because they're a pretty tough target to hit. That's why uh, it sounds fun. Like, it would be so fulfilling to get yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're in a spot where, you know, they're not coming to roost or something like that and you're just shooting them as passers-by, you know, and they're going by at 40 miles an hour, it can be pretty challenging. So yeah. Right. And, you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of great places across Nevada to hunt doves. They're, they're a species that, you know, Sean talked about the forest grouse. You've got to go to the mountains. You got to you got to look for the forest. Doves are everywhere, literally everywhere, from your backyard, which you can't hunt there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, across every county has doves. From from you know our highest elevation, colder counties to Clark County down in Vegas wow. area. I mean, there's there's doves everywhere. Since we're on the subject of doves, and the question we usually get pretty often is about another species that you know, currently is occupying most of the Intermountain West, and that's Eurasian collared doves. And I wonder, Russell, if you want to talk about those for a minute or two. Right. So Eurasian collared doves are an introduced species. People brought them here as as pets. They've escaped or been released, and now their numbers are growing. You see them everywhere. They're mostly associated around human development. You don't see them out in the wild very much, but they are unprotected by both state law and federal law. There is no season, meaning that they can be taken any time of the year in any numbers. So it's another great, actually, sporting opportunity. Mm. They eat well. They're fun to hunt, just like a morning dove. And if you're out on the dove hunt, 
and you shoot Eurasian colored doves, they do not count against your bag. So oh, really? You, so you can have fif- that's a good. You can have fifteen morning or white winged doves in the bag, but you can top that with as many Eurasian doves as as you can shoot. And so, how would somebody know the difference? So, really, there's just um, some some distinguishing marks. Most people know the morning dove. They kind of have that olive green color. Um, there's some iridescence on most dove species that you can see. The Eurasian colored doves have a black band that goes around most of the way around their neck. It's not in the front of their throat, but the back side of their neck. There's there's a very distinct black ring, and which gives them the name colored dove. Right. And they're they're a little bit tanner color. It's hard for me to talk about colors because I'm colorblind. So, <laughs> right. So I try to be careful there because I might not see what you see. But um, and they're larger than a, a morning dove. Right. If you have one of each in your hand, you're going to see the difference pretty pretty easily. Yeah, I think uh, when I try and explain it to people as far as size, I say you have like a regular, like a, a morning dove, and then you have a pigeon, the size of a pigeon, and they're kind of in between. Right. That's they're not quite as big as a pigeon, but they're not as small as a dove. So Perfect. Very important information. But I feel like we're just getting started, and we still have so much to cover. Like we barely scraped the yeah. surface, but we are to our first break already. So we will be right back Let's after this it. quick break. You're listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we're talking about our upcoming Upland game seasons. And we barely scraped the surface, I feel like, before the break. And um, Sean, we'll probably go right to you because we haven't even talked about some of the biggies like chucker, um, quail. So when do those seasons start? Uh, Those seasons start for the U seasons are going to start September 28th. And that's a week-long season, nine-day season for the youth season. And then from there, we move on to the normal adult season, which starts October 12th and goes through that first weekend in February. So it's a pretty long season for the the regular season. Um, and we're seeing kind of a soup to nuts <laughs> type of uh, situation out there in terms of bird numbers and then production. So uh, we're no longer doing our traditional helicopter survey routes um, given the accident last year and we're moving on to brood survey routes um, basically on foot or by vehicle and so we've established several uh, transects across the state where we're doing those and actually a few of them are continuing today but I feel like at this point in time we have a pretty good understanding uh, based on some of the results that I've seen come in and, and uh, some of my own observations about where we're at. And um, it really is kind of a, a strange situation. You, you go into some traditional chucker habitats and you don't see or hear anything. Um, and then you go into others and bird numbers seem to be about what you'd expect. Um, I personally thought it was going to be uh, a little bit better and a little bit more more dense in terms of numbers but I think uh, you know looking back on the drought that we just came out of 
Um, even given that 16-17 was a good winter, we still had a very dry summer last year and virtually no production in a lot of different mountain ranges throughout western Nevada. And then we followed that up with a, a, a winter where we had above 150% of average snowpack and precipitation. Um, I had kind of thought that we would escape some of the, the winter kill type mortality because a lot of lower elevations were sort of open slope and even in well into January, early February, we had a lot of that winter precipita precipitation as rainfall. So I thought things were shaping up pretty well. But as that winter extended and folks got out of the field, I think March and even portions of April were a little tougher than we gave it credit for in some of those those wintering birds. Uh, so I think in northeastern Nevada, we lost some birds during the winter. And then throughout some of the high elevation mountain ranges uh, throughout the rest of northwestern Nevada, I think it took a little bit of a toll. Now that being said, uh, when we have found birds, the production has been pretty good in a lot of different places. Um, it looks like particularly in, in mountain ranges around Churchill County that we're seeing pretty high production. Uh, the Clan Alpine mountain range, um, not really sure about the Stillwaters. There's even portions of Mineral County that look pretty good this year. Uh, uh, moving north from there, as you get into uh, Washoe County, um, that's a little bit more variable. Uh, some of the places there uh, did not see uh, good numbers of birds, and when you don't see birds, you're not seeing, you're not getting a good estimate of production. Same can be said for Western Pershing County. Uh, didn't see really good numbers of birds there either, but as you progress further east in Pershing County, uh, production improved. Uh, places like the, the Trinities, the Eugene Mountains looked pretty darn good. And then as we got into Humboldt County, the Santa Rosas were virtually empty, hmm. um, which was really interesting uh, from my standpoint. So through bighorn sheep surveys, conducted aerially, a lot of uh, groundwork, stream survey crews out on the ground. We had some seasonals out, uh, walking transects, driving transects. Uh, not very good bird numbers there and, and certainly not a, not a lot of production. Uh, as you get further west in Humboldt County, things started to look better. Um, portions of the Montanas, uh, double H's look like there's uh, about what you'd expect, average bird numbers overall. I don't think it's going to be anything great. But then as you get over towards um, the, the pine forest and the black rocks, things improved a little bit, although the pine forest isn't where it used to be. Um, and things look better in the black rocks and into the Calico Mountains in that portion of Humboldt County. So... Um, I think that about covers it. Yeah. That's uh, a lot of info. That's <laughs> that yeah. is. So, so like hopefully th within there, you know, there's for the folks listening, there's a spot that they really like to hunt that they know, boy, I better I better either, you know, go scout that place out or it's not worth my time or, yeah, this these is a spot I'll stick to. These are hard uh, birds to understand, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, but I, I, I feel like even just listening to Sean – guys that trucker hunt or people that trucker hunt could kind of glean some information off of just what he was just saying. As oh, far yeah. As I feel like that was good information. Yeah. But they are weird little 
suckers <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and i think the the important thing for for some folks this year is um you know i think we finally ran out of adult birds because mm-hmm. um, there was birds that were you know chucker don't live much past two or three years old you get a three-year-old chucker that's a pretty darn old bird and i think we were at that point um because of the lack of production from years prior oh gotcha um but this year the birds that are out there are going to have a lot of young a lot of chicks so if you're out there hunting and you you come across a covey it's probably going to be a preponderance of young birds and you're going to be able to get right in on them and within shooting range right and the line on chucker the last couple of seasons has been even early in the season you'd find a covey and it'd get up at 75 100 yards away and because they're all adult birds yep okay yep and so i think from that standpoint uh, folks will find a little bit more gratifying hunting as long as you can get into birds. Gotcha. Well, yeah, and I, I remember when you were doing the your loops, you know, and going out and doing your your surveys, you'd come back and be like, it was weird. We'd see them all in this mountain range, but then we'd go the next one and you'd see nothing or yep. you'd see very yep. low numbers. And is that just because of the – is there any one thing that can be attributed to that, why they're in one range and not in the other? Not really any one thing. I'm still trying to figure that out, Aaron. <laughs> You would think you'd have that, that figured out by I'm now. Saying. Is that your They're job confusing. security? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the $60,000 question. Mm-hmm. Right on. Uh, so, so you're, you're, I mean, guys just need to get out and scout. Go take a drive. And I think for, yeah, the folks that have been out, you know, pronghorn hunting already, uh, maybe scouting for mule deer in certain places, they're probably going to have an idea already. Um, but, yeah, it's pretty variable this year across northwestern Nevada, kind of the traditional areas. Um, and once again, for, for whatever reason, Churchill County seems to be uh, generating its little its own little engine out there. So it's doing well, and um, I, I would suspect the folks that head that way are going to do pretty well. Nice. And then um, what about quail? We mentioned that. Um, same thing for quail? Um yeah, I think that overall, you know, the the lower elevation valleys like Lahontan Valley, mm-hmm. Mason Valley, I think we're going to have some pretty good quail production out there. Nice. Uh, so if folks looking to go hunt quail just for, you know, a day or something like that that live in the <laughs> Reno Sparks, Carson City, Garrington area, Mason Valley is going to be a pretty good spot to go hunt quail this year, I think. Um, uh, around the fringes of Lahontan Valley and, and Carson Valley, they'll probably do pretty well, too. Um, you know, if they can figure out a way to get on some private agricultural land, they'll probably do well. Or hunt the periphery on public land is always good, a good bet, too. Okay, cool. So still some good opportunity. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, Russell, you have your book already on the Migratory Game page. Right. There's always <laughs> there's there's so many seasons, and with the three zones, Seasons, you know, getting old, the mind's going. It's hard for me to remember off the top of my head <laughs> all the dates of everything. But um, we do have some youth waterfowl hunts coming up really quick in the northeast zone. Those youth dates are September 7th and 8th. So, you know, we're, we're a week or so out from that. Oh, yeah, those are coming up real right. quick. So it should be a fun hunt. That's really, really early in the in the season. But there should be lots of teal out there and lots of brown birds. Um, so that's basically this time of year. The the males don't have a lot of color, so they just kind of refer to them as brown birds because 
everything kind of looks like a hen. Exactly. (laughs) And we were saying during the break, we just decided this, that we'll probably do a whole podcast on waterfowl. We wanted to mention youth waterfowl since that's coming up real quick. But then um, the actual opening for, is it the 25th of September? For... For, I think I for the no, for the northeast zone, it's the twenty first. Okay. And then October will be the early October, the first weekend of October will be the the youth hunt for, for the northeast zone, and the October nineteenth opens up the general season for for both the northwest and the south zones. Okay, so yeah, before then we'll do another um, waterfowl podcast just because there's so much to cover. Excellent. In this one. Yeah, I think because we're already. Um, you know, running out of time on this one, and we're not going to be able to get all yeah. the waterfowl in there. There's so much to talk about uh, throughout the state. Two different things entirely, really. So um, we are excited because this podcast is starting to get enough listeners that people are sending in questions to us. So if anyone's listening and you're a regular listening, you have a question or a topic suggestion, um, feel free to send it our way on Facebook. You could email us, um, whatever's easiest for you. But we did, I wanted to give out a shout, a shout out, excuse me, to Nathan. He sent us a Facebook message and says he's a regular listener. And Sean, this is a question for you. He asked, um, how can you easily find rabbits and quail was specifically what he's asking about. I know you mentioned quail a little bit, so we could just do a real quick answer for him. Sure, and so kind of the same thing I mentioned for quail, you could probably say for rabbits too. Um, if you hunt around the periphery of some of our agricultural areas on public lands, uh, you know, in desert valleys where we've got um, some tall brush communities, those are good areas to look for species like cottontail. Uh, it's kind of hard to be specific because they do occupy such diverse habitats around the state, and they occupy quite a bit of area around the state. I mean, I've seen cottontails at pretty high elevation um, all the way down to the valley floor. Uh, Vegetation's kind of key. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, close to water sources. Um, That can be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're hunting around uh, some meadow communities or riparian areas, that can be a little bit better, but I've seen them on north-facing slopes at, you know, kind of ridge tops. So, but I think I would focus more around some of those agricultural communities uh, and some of the, the denser cover. That's probably going to be what they're, what they're seeking out anyway. Okay, and there's plenty of opportunity, it sounds like, in the state for rabbits and quail. So Yeah, it is a down, news, it anything. is a little bit of a down, it has been a down couple of years for rabbits overall. So their numbers are not as dense as they were say like 2010 through 2012 so okay Mm. awesome well (laughs) so much information russell did you have something else you wanted to say no i'm I'm good i would say come to my front yard i've got (laughs) rabbits quail i've got it all (laughs) all right (laughs) and then we'll have russell back pretty soon here um for our waterfowl podcast so thank you both that was so informational tons of information And we're out of time, so that's sad. But thank you for being here, and thank you, everyone, for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild.
Join us again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.